Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, please turn with me once again as we return to the Gospel of Matthew. We are going to, Lord willing, be concluding Matthew today as we consider verses 13 through 23. 13 through 23. Hear now the holy, the inspired, the inerrant, and infallible word of the living God written for you today. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Indeed, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for his most precious word. Well, Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is the son of Abraham. He is the son of David and the adopted son of Joseph. We've been blessed by Matthew to see these things in detail And praise the Lord for this thus far in our consideration of this gospel. He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the one foretold of old. The one who was the subject of angelic announcements. He is the Son of God made manifest in the flesh. He bears the name of Jesus as he came to save his people from their sins. He is Emmanuel. God with us. 
Oh, what a wonderful and a marvelous blessing. Considering all of this, that the advent and incarnation of Christ is, that that God would condescend to and, and dwell with his people on a mission to redeem us. Jesus' arrival is the great momentous event of history as the promised Son, the promised Messiah, who is also the promised King, was born. And by divine will and guidance of God, unexpected, powerful, and influential men from the East came to see and worship him. Indeed, wise men worship the true king. Yet, not all were thrilled about Jesus' birth, were they? The man the Romans named the king of the Jews, Herod the Great, for one, wasn't. And neither were the people of Jerusalem, Matthew tells us. They were all troubled. Now Herod put on a show when the wise men came searching for the one born king of the Jews. He feigned interest and support. However, his real interest was what? It was self-preservation at all costs. Herod's real interest was to find out where Jesus had been born so that he could do what? So that he could eliminate him. Remember how Herod gathered the chief priests and the scribes and asked them where Christ was to be born. And they told Herod the location right away. They knew what had been foretold. And again, prophecy had been fulfilled as as Jesus was born in little Bethlehem of Judah. And they also told him an important characteristic of the king. And that was that he would shepherd Israel. He is the one who would shepherd, similar to his father David. He was the one who would shepherd his people in even more and wonderful ways than David ever did. But therefore, though all and through all that was told about Christ to Herod, Jesus became Herod's number one target. For as we know of Herod's extreme jealousy and self-protection, he he would get rid of any that he perceived to be rivals to his throne, even his own family. And so in today's text, we will be blessed to consider God's work in protecting Jesus as Herod made an attempt to kill him. Let's look at Joseph's family's Flight to Egypt in verses 13 through 15. Herod's massacre of the children in verses 16 to 18. And Joseph's family and their return to Nazareth in verses 19 through 23. As you look at 13a, notice, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now, as we consider the wise men's departure from Joseph and Mary's house, it's helpful to remember the context of what had just happened there. Notice that both worship and warning occurred. Worship and warning. If you look at verses 12, excuse me, 11 and 12 of chapter 2, we read in verse 11, 
And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So worship and warning. And in regards to worship, the wise men worshipped and gave him gifts, notice, as they did so. The gifts of the wise men that they gave were valuable and meaningful, weren't they? If you remember, gold was fitting for a king. Frankincense was fitting for a priest. And myrrh was a gift for burial. It was used to embalm dead bodies with, which even at Christ's birth pointed to his death. But in regards to warning. See how it wasn't given by Joseph or Mary, but the warning was divinely given by God in a dream. The wise men may have had their own course plotted out in their own minds. However, God redirected their plans to not go back to Herod. Interestingly, the Greek word for their departure carries the idea of taking refuge from danger. That was really in view here in their departure. They were taking refuge, divinely ordained, divinely guided refuge from a madman, a wicked man who was bloodthirsty. And so they returned to their home another way. And so after they set their alternate course and they left Joseph and Mary's house, what do we find here in verse 13? We see the continuance of divine guidance, don't we? Yet now to Joseph, as an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the same way, in a dream. Beloved, does God reveal his personal will to us in dreams today? There are some who say yes. However, now that redemption has been accomplished and, and God has finally spoken to us in his Son, Hebrews 1 teaches us, Scripture is God's means of revealing his plan of redemption as well as his will for our lives. We need to remember that. And if you recall, this isn't the first time that God has guided Joseph in a dream, is it? Remember in chapter 1, verse 20, the angel of the Lord instructed Joseph not to put Mary away secretly. And here, the angel of the Lord instructs him that it is time for he and his family to move. And why? Look at verse 13b. The angel says there, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. And why? For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. In his bloodthirst jealousy, Herod would soon try to kill Jesus. And we'll consider the details of how that would happen in a moment, but let's see that the angel commanded Joseph to take his family and to flee to Egypt. And this bears wonderful significance. Why Egypt? Why Egypt, of all places? To wonderfully fulfill prophecy once again. 
We've seen this time after time, even thus far in these two chapters in the gospel. Prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled in Christ. Did Joseph ask why? We're not told. Did he plead for another option to stay where they were? We're we're not told. But what we are to see is that Joseph was once again faithfully obedient and did as God commanded him. Beloved, this was undoubtedly again hard for Joseph. This isn't the first hard thing that Joseph had to do, is it? But it is another hard thing. God sometimes calls us to do hard things as well. This this move undoubtedly had its share of difficulty for Joseph and his family, and yet, like them, we too need to be ready and willing to obey God's commands, regardless of unavoidable conflict or trouble that may come as we're doing so. Consider Moses' experience with this and his faith that moved him to action in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. There the writer says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches, Than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. That's powerful. That is a powerful example of the work of God, the grace of God in Moses, that he would go against the grain when that grain was so lush, when that grain was so bountiful, and it was his for the taking, but yet he took the road by God's work and grace. He took the road of suffering as he belonged to God and not to Pharaoh. In verse 4, we read in Matthew chapter 2, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And so here is Joseph's obedience And now their time in Egypt is also interesting as they were sent there by God to find solace from Herod, who was set to destroy the young Jewish males in a place where generations prior, Pharaoh destroyed the young Hebrew males out of a wicked heart of self-preservation as well. Isn't that interesting? Egypt would be a place of solace from death, where generations prior, it was the place of death. Exodus 1, verse 22, tells us the account briefly. So Pharaoh commanded all of his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river. And every daughter you shall save alive. And so Matthew says that Joseph and his family went by night. This is not a detail that we should overlook. It's important. 
He was to go by night, and what is the benefit of travel by night? It's not being seen. And they stayed safely there until when? Look at verse 5. They were there until the death of Herod. And why? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Out of Egypt I called my son. Beloved, the historical connections and providential move to Egypt was for the grand purpose of revealing the bigger picture of Hosea's prophecy in Hosea 11 verse 1. And this grand purpose and what is revealed is what? Revealing more about who Jesus is. Again, all of this fulfilled prophecy in Matthew, it is pointing to Christ. It is showing us more about Christ. Out of Egypt I called my son. Keep in mind that to be called out of by God communicates divine, sovereign deliverance. Divine, sovereign deliverance. Hosea's prophecy speaks of Israel being called out of Egypt in the Exodus, and now Matthew reveals the connection that the history of God's redemption of Israel points to Christ. (laughs) Wonderful. Points to Christ, the true Son of God, being called out of Egypt to return to be with, to call His people out of bondage to sin and darkness, and to save them and to minister to them. Glorious connection and pointing here. Remember the instruction of the angel in verse 13. What did he tell Joseph? He said, stay until I bring you word. In other words, stay until you are called to return. And Matthew goes on to say that Herod launched his evil plan after what? Well, in verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Note this, Herod waited some time for the wise men to return. Remember his his three-pronged craftiness in the preceding context, in the visit of the wise men. Herod intentionally and in very detailed, strategic ways tried to get information from them so that he could put this master plan together. So when the wise men didn't return, and he realized they weren't going to, he raged and was even more desperate than before. Here is a rival that now may escape his control. He has to keep that control. He has to keep dominance and dominion. And therefore, based on the information that he received from the wise men, he he wiped out all of the two-year-olds and younger as a means of giving himself some kind of peace that he had crushed his rival. 
And as heinous as this slaughter was, beloved, notice that it too was a fulfillment of prophecy. This time of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. Look at verse 17 in Matthew 2. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Oh, what a terrible pain for a mother in a literal sense of that. But there was more to this prophecy than any literal form. Jeremiah's prophecy was about Israel's return from exile. And as Herod's slaughter of the innocents brought much weeping, Rachel in Jeremiah 31 represents Israel weeping. As the tribe of Benjamin was in Ramah, Rachel wept over the destruction of the north in 722 B.C. And she also represents the nation's sorrow over the oppression of foreign powers, even to the day of Christ in these verses. And Matthew teaches us that God kept his word to Joseph and further then brought guidance after Herod died. Considering all of this, it was now time to return. Look at verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Some of you may wonder how Herod died. Well, God doesn't tell us specifically in Scripture The first century historian Josephus reports that he died of a loathsome disease that burned him internally as judgment from God. But again, Scripture is silent on the matter. But what is important is that judgment was carried out. The Son of God was divinely protected. Herod was dead. And therefore, it was safe for Joseph and his family to return to Israel. And so Joseph again here obeyed, and he began the journey back. We see this in verse 21. But then notice, Joseph heard about the new king of Judea. Herod's son was on the throne, and that was fearful for Joseph because he was scared that he would be like his father. Look at verse 22. And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. Now, what was going on here? As you hear these words about fear, redirection, action, did God make a mistake? not accounting for Joseph's fear and resistance to go where the angel told him to, and therefore, because of his fear, God decided to change course? No, not at all. God doesn't make mistakes. All of this was in his sovereign, divine providence. God made Joseph aware of the danger 
of Archelaus, while also providing Joseph and his family a place of safety in Galilee. And all of this beautifully, again, for prophetic fulfillment. Look at verse 23. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Beloved, know that that God brought them home to Nazareth. Though we can't identify the specific Old Testament verse that that Nazareth uh, was, excuse me, that we... um, that the prophecy comes from in saying he shall be called a Nazarene. Matthew was likely here pointing to the reality that similar to Nazareth being insignificant and despised in the eyes of men, remember that in John 1.46, the statement of nothing good comes out of Nazareth, does it? Jesus would also be despised and rejected by men, even as the prophet Isaiah teaches us. And so as as we consider this text and this flight to Egypt and return from Egypt, as the Son was called out of Egypt, I pray that that God blesses you with an ever-growing sight and and understanding of the, the wonderful mosaic that he's putting together here about who Jesus is through all that he fulfills. Like the wise men and Joseph, are are you ready and willing to obey God's commands, take up your cross daily, and do hard things? Do you really trust the Lord with his providential care and direction in your life? See God's direction and his protection of Jesus and his family. Things had only just begun. Much righteous living, much shepherding, much ministry was ahead for our Lord. Consider all the ways that God the Father did this for them and consider your daily walk and your need to walk by faith. Hard things will be ahead for you, but never forget the calling out and the deliverance that Christ has extended to and accomplished for you. But also, take the connections and redemption in this passage with you today. Israel freed from the hand of Pharaoh, and Jesus delivered from the hand of Herod, so that he would live, suffer, and die for you, so that you would be freed from being in bondage to sin under the hand of Satan. God has you and is taking you exactly where he wants you to be, which is exactly where you need to be. It is the best place for you to be, for your good, for your growth, and for his glory. Amen. Praise God for his work. Let's pray together.